0: Thank you. I'm D. Brown CEO and welcome back to this episode of HBCU. My special guests are Palmer Williams, Jr. and Lodrick Collins. On the previous episode of HBCU, Palmer was telling us about Knoxville College's signature event and now we're back to hear from Lodrick. Lodric. Talk to me about Southern University. You have so many events. Yeah. Bayou Classic, Homecoming. Yeah. What is the signature event for Southern University?
1: So, like, Bayou Classic is, I think, a signature event that we share with Gramerland. We're probably really popular for it. But for Southern, and this is no debate, it was the Kappa Party. Because we it was a high demand <laughs> for it because, because it. Because would, we would only probably do two a semester. So if uh-huh. you missed it, and specifically it was the Alpha Sigma Kappa Party at Southern University. So if you missed it, you missed a lot and you'd yeah. have to wait a long time until the next one. But what it was, it was like a reunion of sorts. Okay. So every chapter throughout, I would even say the swack yeah. would come. We would we would give you enough heads up so that you could take off work. Yeah. Uh, we'd help you get your tickets for the game if you wanted the game. It was like a whole committee that was set to set up to make this an event. So much so that we'd have it like at the the, the city's like civic center. Wow. Uh, we just rented out because it was it was such a demand, but it was a reunion. Um, you know, newts would come from all over the place, aka's all all across the pan Council. Yeah. would come from Gremlin, uh, Jackson State, VAMU. They would come for those specific events and we'd just show out, you know? Right. Um, but even more importantly, they all knew that their money was going to a good cause because we would use the money to give back to the community in which Southern University served, which right. was Scotlandville. Right. The next day, we'd show up with paint cans and paint homes, help yeah. redevelop homes and bring up the value of homes in the community. Um, And a lot of people that flew in and came from different areas, they would want to participate, you know, so that was like a whole function of it. You know, it wasn't just a party. It was it was a a theme to raise money and have a good time while we're doing it to serve the community. Right. So it was it was it was the highlight. It was one of my highlights. You know, other cats, uh, God forbid, if you threw, if you were in a frat, whatever your frat may be, and you threw an event doing the kappa function. Yeah. Because more than likely, the people that serve, <laughs> that are part of that said fraternity, sorority, mm-hmm. whatever, would probably miss your event and, and probably wound at, up at the Capitol Party, with you the news. Yeah, and still be with the news, which That's is right. a great idea to be, you know. Right. Yeah, <laughs> but exactly. it, it, it's the most memorable thing for me. You
0: yeah, know? but you touched yeah. on a one uh, very important uh, fact, community service, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. serving the community exactly. and, and achievement. Yes. And all, yeah. in every field of human endeavor yeah. Is, yeah. What, is what we're all about, so. Yeah. Right. Uh, I want to pivot to uh, outside of uh, college just for a second. So, Mm -hmm. Lodrick, I know you were in the military. Yeah. So talk to me about the Marines
1: and and how that helped shape you. It 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 helped create discipline because I went in with. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "You want me to make a bed? <laughs> that was quite crease it." No, let's go shoot some guns or blow some. No, I don't want to. You know, my it wife helped. probably want to put
0: me in the military. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't do domestic. <laughs> I you and your no. wife. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, like it is the pivotal point in my life where I realized nothing was impossible and there was nothing that I could not do. Yeah. you know, mm-hmm. if somebody's running next to me and they're passing me up, that means I can run faster, right. you know? And it's something that I take with me in life, you know? Um, the idea of shining my shoes is more than just shining my shoes because I'm supposed to shine my shoes. There's a pride in it. There's a pride in the foundation of shoes you step out in, you know? Yeah. The idea of making sure my pocket square is yeah, yeah. right or whatever, yeah. right. it's important to me because it's a semblance of how I want to represent myself in the world. Right. And strangely, the Marine Corps was, as much as it's about combat and defending the world, it's really, I mean, the, 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 the theme is what? Honor, courage, and commitment for the right. Marine Corps, you know? Um, not just honoring your country, but honoring yourself, you know, and yeah. that spreads. Yeah, so it, it was pivotal for me as a young, very young man in between teenage and adulthood, uh, going there and taking on those challenges and knowing that I could overcome those challenges. Because right. Marine Corps is not an easy branch, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, knowing that I could overcome those challenges. I had no idea of the things that I was capable of doing until I finished that thing, you know. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Now it's like, what next? You know. Right. Right. And still today, You're it's like, what next? World. Yeah. Right, still right. today, it's what? What's next? And like, I think every quarter I do like uh, a military mud run. Maybe it's like the Tough Mudder or a or, uh, uh, Spartan race. It's like different mm-hmm. types of obstacles. Yeah. Go, you know, you run, do like. Uh, Twelve miles in the mud, and you do. Op- I do that sometimes just to make sure I still got it. Yeah, you know, right, 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 and I still right. got it. You know, yeah. yeah. But but it reminds me. It's kind of nostalgic to where I was. Yeah, with that.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. So Palmer, talk to me about um, your early career in acting. Mm. So I'm. I mean, I don't know um, how lucky <laughs> I am to have you know not one but yeah. two world-renowned actors on oh, the uh, on the panel that. with great, me, and both of you that. all have the yeah. unique experience of working with Tyler Perry as well, right. but yeah. talk to me about yeah. your early acting career. How did you get started? Well, a lot of
2: people may have heard me mention how I even actually got started with Tyler Perry, but even before then, um, I've written my own productions and had actually toured them, I had uh, done a few of those, one uh, with the late, great Bishop Eddie L. Long, who's also a new, Uh, We had co-written a show together and that toured. Uh, I actually thought that I was going to go to college and become a dentist. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be an orthodontist to the stars. I wanted to be able to straighten the teeth of the stars, and that's how I was going to get discovered as a singer. (laughs) So I had a very (laughs) obscure way of trying to be successful, I guess. And uh, when I went to Knoxville College and... Start nurturing uh, the gifts, as they say, because I never looked at them as gifts, you know, from God. So I was able to nurture those and start to develop those and hone those gifts to where it became, you know, something like, well, maybe I don't want to do this because my degree is in health and hospital administration, minor in biology and math, in order to go either run a hospital or to become a dentist. But God had another plan. I auditioned for the Apollo and then that was it. It started snowballing right. from there and then went on to do a show called A Good Man is Hard to Find. I toured with that for three and a half, four years. And um, during that time period, my father was uh, battling uh, cancer. And in, and in his latter days, he said, uh, from watching me do all these different things, I started yeah. singing background for a different artists like uh, Keith Sweat and Gerald LeVert and... Um, Johnny Gill and Monica and, and, and journey and from doing those things. I was just always ping-ponging around and you know as a background singer You're not gonna get rich, but at the same time. He's a, a, a decent living But my father sat me down one day and he said when are you gonna start doing something? That's gonna give God glory make you some money and stop making everybody else rich Wow, and so that's mm-hmm. when I started writing and then that's when I started doing the plays and doing those sort of things and in doing so and working in my in my church and starting to develop the writing skills and and performing and producing and directing and things like that. And so from doing that and, and having your own productions and and putting those things out there eventually through the church and and, and creating, you know, different skits and, 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 and productions, uh, there was just one day that. Uh, actually that Tyler Perry was actually there and it's so funny because I feel f- weird calling him Tyler Perry because I give him his respect you know he's he's, uh, he's an entity, you know, and I always called him. Mr. Perry, even though he's considerably younger But it's the respect factor, but he was at our church and I was doing liturgical dance, which I'm like I'm not that dancer I'm really not and I thought I was gonna pull a hamstring the whole time I was rehearsing but th- When what ended up happening is when we did that dance he had someone the very next day to call me on my cell phone and it was someone that gave them my number from the church. They called the church and the person that picked up the phone was Lori Allen who actually, I hosted her son's event and she was the only person that had my cell phone number at the church. Hmm. And I had an audition at 11 or one o'clock the next day. And so, I chose the 11 o'clock, went in there at 10, 15, snotting, crying and praying. Say, God, if you make me a good steward over this man's stuff, I know you're going to make me lord over my own. Fifteen minute audition turned into an hour and a half. Six days later, I was shooting House of Pain. I was only supposed to shoot six episodes. And now it's been 14 years. Yeah. Wow. So Amazing. it just, you know, it's all about that persistence. It's all about continuing to, to to do the things that, you know, that you may be even fearful of doing. Yeah. But just stepping out on faith and, and doing those things. And uh, I, I haven't looked back, you know, I haven't looked back.
1: Testament to hard work. Right. Oh, yeah. Like, like you were saying, you know, you
2: work. still want to go and do some of those yeah. mud runs or something like that. Yeah. I would like to do that, too. Like yeah. I said, I would like to. Man, come on, man. We're going to sign you but up. But no, no, no. The oh, way my on. the way yeah. my my way my, my my joints and my bones are set you up. Give, that ain't gonna happen. Give, pride, know, man. Yeah, give, give me a year so, to
0: get in shape. Talk about how you connected with Tyler Perry.
1: Um, it I started a long time ago, before having have nots and all of that. It's been uh I laid seeds. Uh I come from a marketing background. Mm -hmm. So I lay seeds for a network that I feed and I wait for it to grow and I fertilize it as it grows, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh in New York, uh I knew about the studio and I had this strategy of being I was living in New York and I didn't wanna be a small fish in a big pond, so all these tax incentives were coming up for the arts and filmmaking in all these areas, Louisiana, Mm. Georgia, they weren't there when I was down there, but the minute I moved to New York, there they go. So I was like, oh, this is a great opportunity to be a bigger fish in much smaller ponds that are developing really fast. So I reached out to my management and I was like, hey, this guy Tyler Perry's doing really great things. Like, I would love to connect and work on this, you know? Work with him at some point. I put it on my vision board and everything. Um, I remember I went away to Brazil and I had some drinks one night and I came back and I saw in my email, hey, you got an audition for the have and have nots. And I was like, Oh, I got to drink some coffee and I need to find somebody that speaks English to be my reader. <laughs> <laughs> and we need a lighting kit because this has got to go right. That's had funny. no lighting. So we had a lamp in, the, uh, in my uh, Airbnb. So we leaned the lamp over <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> and recorded the audition Oh the <laughs> iPhone, wow. man. That was my first audition. And um, I had a whole That's bunch funny. of them. You know, this career is so, so full of no's, you know. Yeah but it's supposed to be the no's that empower you, the no's that make you stronger. There was a whole bunch of auditions in between that I did not get. And they called me back for probably like the fifth, sixth, seventh character in the have and have nots. Um, I went in, I auditioned, uh, I booked it. And I remember a friend saying, Oh no! You need. You should get more episodes. And my agent said that too. They were like, "We're gonna see if we can get you more episodes." I was like, "Whatever." What I'm gonna do is, this is. What, I'm gonna leave it all alone. I'm not stressing over anything y'all are saying. I'm gonna do my best when I go in there. Yeah. And I'll go about my business. You know what I mean? Right. I remember I went in, and because production is so quick, right? I went in, and it's, it's Tyler Perry. So you, you I, I was like, I would love the opportunity to say, "Hey, you inspired me." Something didn't get the opportunity, but I went in, did the best that I could. Uh, they were yelled cut. Some people drugged me out. Yeah. I went to the dressing room, changed, caught my flight, went back to L.A. at the time, you know. And a few years later, I got a call. Hey, we're interested for you in this role. in. Uh, it was sisters. <laughs> mm, <wow. laughs> Didn't work out. Hey, we're interested for, uh, with this role for you in um, the Oval. I remember going to the casting director and nobody was there. And the ca- casting director was really nice to me, all like out of the blue. She was like, "Hey, Logic, I was like, "Oh, she knows my name." Yeah, yeah. You know, nobody was there.
2: Was
1: it Raven? Uh, no, it was in. Uh, it was in Los Angeles. Kim. Oh, okay, okay. Coleman. yeah, yeah. We're just nice lady. A conversation. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it's all good. Yeah, was... Raven is the best, though. But Raven, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Raven is the best. Because I remember telling her for the sisters audition, "Hey, Raven, I heard about this oval thing. If this doesn't work out, like, I'd love to be considered for that." You mm-hmm. know? And she said, "Ah." You don't ask, you don't get, you right, know? Right, right. So um, yeah, and we started shooting the Oval the first day. I think uh, I got picked up last and I had four days to prepare. First day on set, Mr. P says, hey, you know why you're here, right? I said, Jesus? <laughs> uh, he said, no, because you came in and you did have and have nots. I didn't forget about it. And you did a great job and that's why you're sitting here right now. But the thing about it is, when I did that, I remember walking away like, man, this guy didn't say anything. There was no validation of, mm-hmm. hey, you did a good job, right. whatever, you know. But the concept was I went in to do it. No validation. Eventually, the validation comes back some years later. You did a great job. This is the reward, you know. Right, right, right. So the relationship has been built with a lot of fertilizing and always trying to do my best in whatever circumstances I was presented in with the studio. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Man?
0: So how much has, um, I guess, your, your background from Southern University mm-hmm. logic, how has that, I guess, shaped you as the, the man you
1: are today? Southern University's <laughs> the motto that I remember, I don't know if it's still there, if you stay ready, you don't have to get, get ready. ready. <laughs> you know? So if I'm an actor, it tells me now in this world that if I'm an actor, I need to be practicing my voice, I need to be practicing, uh, I I need to be reading plays, I need to be going to acting classes if I get a chance, way before I get the audition, way before I book the role, because when that audition comes around, I won't have that time, I'm already ready, you know? Let's go in, yeah. Right, it's training. So Southern taught me that in a major way, like I remember a professor saying literally like, as an African-American man in this world, you have to stay ready. You have to stay ready for whatever opportunity comes about because you may not get that chance to go in the corner and prepare or you may not get right. that chance. Yeah. And there's no excuses that's going to be provided. You know, there may not be an excuses right. provided for your inefficiency or lack of giving your best. So always be ready. Right. Yeah. What about you,
0: Palmer? How did uh, Knoxville College shape you?
2: Um, it was almost like the, the model for New York. If you can make it here, you can make it anywhere, (laughs) you know, and that's how it was in Knoxville College. But they kept giving you chance after chance after chance until you really just you would have to really ruin your chances at Knoxville College because they were so forgiving. Yeah, you know, and they were so giving and loving. Uh, I would say that Knoxville College helped me to. Make that transition from teenage life to adulthood. Yeah. It was the conduit of making me an adult, a real adult. Because, you know, we always say, like, man, when I get grown or when I get for real, for real grown and yeah. when I get some for real, for real money yeah. and all that, you know, you kept saying that until eventually one day you were like, I'm actually grown now. You know, wow. and I know that I attribute some of those things and the networking that I've done through Knoxville College graduates or people that attended Knoxville College. Um, just even some of the uh, alumni that came from there, uh, you know, even uh, when Nikki Giovanni actually, you know, went to Knoxville College and and her uncle, who was my president at the time, Dr. Clinton Marsh, mm-hmm. you know, being that he gave of his services there. And, you know, just so many different uh, historical aspects that Knoxville College you know, brought about it helped to give me a sense of pride. It's like, well, I'm from here, too. Yeah. You know, and so the, the alumni was so crazy and helpful, and they would push me because some of them knew my mother. And because she left this, this earth at 49 years old, here comes all of the alumni, the mothers you know, and they would tell me the stories about my mother. Mm. So now I see them, I'm even more pride, prideful of being from Knoxville College because my legacy has been placed there before me. And now they're encouraging me and pushing me. And because I was following in the footsteps of some of the things that my mother was doing as far as um, theatrically and, and creatively, right. they just knew that, you know, they could see my mother through me. Yeah. So it was, it was almost like it was um, paying Uh, homage to my mother, but at the same time they were seeing my mother recreated through me. That's powerful. And so that in itself gave me that much more of a sense of I have to finish. Right. I have to do better. And Knoxville College gave me the opportunity like that misfit toy. You know, I may have (laughs) had a, a, a square on this this wheel up here and a round Peg on this, you know, and and had a little wobble when I came in, but by the time I got ready to get dropped off by <laughs> Santa Claus, I had all the wheels turning, and you know, and I was a gift, yeah. you know, because our, our our gifts and our talents can get us there, but it's our character that will keep you there. Right. And Knoxville College definitely taught me about character.
1: Wow. That's a gift to your mom that they could see her through the product that she created right. and put out into the world. You know, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Logic. I'm good.
0: curious whether or not there are some instructors or an instructor or some person on the Southern University campus mm-hmm. uh, that helped influence your life? Is there somebody that jump out to you as like that person really helped shape yeah.
1: you? Again, uh, it was Ms. Ms. Thomas, um, because if not for her, she positioned me with this position with the National Urban League Black Executive Exchange Program, and it it presented me with an internship in New York, where I got the experience in New York. I don't know if I would have made the decision to move there if not for those positionings, you know what I mean? Felt like she was used as a catalyst by the universe and God to bring me in that direction, you know? There was also Dr. Rourke. Uh, She was in the theater program, uh, theater and communications program there. And even though I didn't major in it, uh, I did my electives there, you know, and I remember I would do productions there that she would direct. Um, And she was really meticulous with me. Like, I remember like, she'd be like, no, I need you To project because you can do it. And I'm like, no, I can't. I can't. No, shut up. You can do it. (laughs) That's how they talk to you. They talk to you like they're your mama. No, you can do it. You project. Your voice needs to hit that back wall. I was like, I'm a marketing major. I don't care. You're in my house. Make the voice hit the back wall. wall, And then it needs to Mm -hmm. bounce back, you know, and your blocking is off. You need to do this. And I'm like, everybody's blocking is off. No, but you, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And I remember uh, she reached out to me through her son, to say, ah, she reached out to uh, to her son uh, to say how proud she was, and then she gave a whole spiel of how she saw me doing this when I didn't see, when I didn't know I was going to be doing this, right. and how important it was for her to be hard on me at the time. Right. And she, was, he said, I don't, I don't know if he knew what she was saying. Hey, she told me to ask you, is your voice hitting the back wall? How's uh, <laughs> it blocking? You know? Yeah, right, right. right. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. You know, you never know the impression you're going to leave on people. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So. To piggyback on that, I'm sorry,
2: yeah. uh, uh, Miss Ruth B. Stokes, that was that same person for me as well, yeah. because she was a, the actual choir director, and we didn't have a theater department. So the choir became the theater department. You know, so we were actually going out raising money for the school by sending the choir. Uh, and so the block and everything, and she was that mama type that would take shut yeah. up. She was right. historically known for throwing her shoe. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So there <laughs> were a lot of choir members that became athletes because of ducking that shoe. So you know. <laughs> so we we would have that experience. But she was so hard on me. But before she passed away, she actually came to the premiere episode <laughs> of my uh, being on House of Pain at my house. Really? And it was an honor to have her there. I had her center. Yeah. Everybody else had to flank her. Yeah. And it was just that I just wanted her to see from whence
1: I've come. It's because of people like you. But that, that's the family value of HBCU. Yes. It's more right. than just, you know, that's a great example. It's more than just an institution Professors and teachers—it's a—it's a, fa- it's a right. village. It's like that right. village that raises a, fa- a fa- uh, raises a child. You know, right. the idea that this professional woman, who's probably a professor, or right. uh, you know, who's advanced in her educational uh, voyage, mm. will take her shoe off and throw it at you. <laughs> right. You know, right. only that's something a mom, right. or aunt, or grandmother right. would do. Yes. You know, the idea—it it just explains she how had an amazing how, ear she could hear much, who was out
2: of pitch yeah. in the room, and she would she would hear the, the slightest of sounds, <laughs> and you know from working at Tyler yeah. Perry Studios how it can be like quiet enough to where you can hear a, a cricket pee yeah. on cotton, but you know. But then you yeah. could also hear, and then you would hear uh, Mr. Perry say something like, there's a vent open yeah. over on this side of the room like this, and so now, even when I'm at home, I hear everything yeah. because right. your senses have been uh, uh, tuned and yeah. heightened yeah. because of, of your work and, and what you do, and that's the thing about acting you just be you become an actor you know because you're just being an actor you don't yeah. try right. to be right. you don't try to act you right. just be and those that are out there that are actors though truly understand what we mean by that but yeah. it's, it's it's an amazing animal to be able to, to and and being in the HBCU is like wait a minute I'm in college yeah I wasn't yeah. Even supposed to be here
0: right and, right you
2: know and then you have that realization like wow I can actually do this. I can actually be a college graduate to where I can stand proud when I go and apply for that job or try to be someplace and I can have my placard on the wall saying, yes, I am a graduate of Knoxville College. You know, so it's it's, it's life changing.
0: Well, HBCUs have done that for a lot of people Mm -hmm. because, you know, just statistically, uh, African-Americans have lower test scores. Mm -hmm. Um, They are less prepared for college just statistically across mm-hmm. the board and, and and still today even though HBCUs initially were created to be really the only avenue that we had to uh, higher education mm-hmm. but even today is they are still uh, the only avenue for a lot of African Americans who mm-hmm. have been challenged by their um, K-12 education mm-hmm. and so uh, having teachers and mentors, and like, and sometimes it's not the teacher, sometimes it's the security guard, and sometimes mm-hmm. it's the janitor, and, and sometimes it's the person in the cafeteria that lets you hide under her legs or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but that didn't sound right the way you said it.
1: But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't tell that to a nuke, man. <laughs> See, that's the problem. You said it to yeah. a nuke, yeah. this is what happens. Yeah. You know? yeah. But, yeah. but like, <laughs> like I was saying, you know... <laughs> You know? You, you know, it, it feels
0: a, uh, they feel a bigger uh, role in, within communities of color. And uh-huh. uh, so uh, I want to at this time uh, let both of you all know that you have uh, done a great job of Thank you. advancing Thank you. the cause, advancing the the uh, awareness of historically black colleges and yeah. universities. Okay. And you, you all have uh, cast them in a very positive light. And for that. I want to award each of you with the HBCU Lifetime Achievement Award for your commitment to the advancement of historically black colleges and universities. This is beautiful. And I appreciate all you all have done, and I appreciate you all taking the time to be on my show. And to my viewers, thank you for watching, and remember, without you, there's no me.